What is going on, people? Welcome back to another episode of MM Talks. I am Jedediah. Me? Even one of you get this going. Someone start this going. I won't really look at any point out, so I just gotta say, you know me, I'm Fabian, we're back again. I hope everyone's doing well. I hope everyone's had a phenomenal week mm-hmm. and they enjoyed last week's podcast, of course. Yes, before we go anywhere further, before I introduce the knowledge, the Kane's Meister, I just wanna say, don't forget to like, subscribe, and please comment. Yes, oh, thank you for that. Welcome, the smoothest voice. Yeah, there's a like, comment. Hold subscribe. on, Ethan just said the smoothest voice. Like, yeah, he smoothest have the smoothest voice. voice. And I meant that. I meant that. <laughs> thank you for having me. I hope you guys are having a fantastic week. It's mm-hmm. a wonderful time. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Let's absolutely get it. It's been splendid. We've had a great day. Uh, I hope anybody who's watching has noticed we've moved things a little bit around. We put a poster up, trying to give the visuals for the people. Yeah, the visuals. Give the visuals, and hopefully that's a little bit more inspiration, motivation for anybody on the pod to also jump onto the YouTube to get, more them, to get the visuals as well. So today's episode, we are going to be talking about what are some of the best things that have happened in our lives. I want to talk about things that have brought you real joy, that have let you feel a sense of accomplishment, a sense of fulfillment, and really inspire anybody listening and ourselves to go and chase those moments even more, to go get to that top level, to feel that feeling, because that's what life's all about, getting fulfillment, feeling the joy, feeling the energy. Like I'm feeling right now. How are we feeling? Woo! Ooh! Energy, 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 energy. Yes. Whoa, <laughs> So, I posed this question to the crew earlier. I've given them some time to think. And I'm going to put it out there to see if anybody would like to volunteer their story first. If not, I'll go first, but... I'm going to go first. Ooh! I'll, go first. I'll, I'll, do, my, I'll do my tone one. Yeah. So, the question. Mm-hmm. Let the people know what the question is. What is one of the things that you have done or experienced in your life that has brought you endless amounts of joy, fulfillment and pleasure, sir? So what I'm going to say is I'm going to talk about my university experience and the decision to go to university. Mm-hmm. Um, my journey into university was a bit turbulent. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost a very close friend in my final year, which made studying very difficult. And I ended up not going to the university I wanted to go to. Um, I ended up going to the same city, Manchester, Money on the Map, 0161. 0161. Shout out to all of you men up north. Big yeah. love always. And hey, cousin, you watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and I do not regret this decision one bit. Um, this brought me so much joy in that I was able to go and study something I loved. That was chemistry. I was able to go in day in, day out, be surrounded by people that also love this subject mm-hmm. and engage in interesting conversations, spend time grinding till midnight, getting up at six in the morning, going to the library and reading and immersing myself in something that I loved doing. Mm. And this didn't transform into my career, but it gave me and equipped me with a lot of skills that are known as transferable skills. If you go to any careers fair, they'll talk about transferable skills. They'll talk about (laughs) the ability to speak well, to present, to break things down. I also met a number of fantastic fantastic individuals shout out to sam he just came back from australia one of my best friends and i lived with sam for three years and it may as well have been four because the first year that i was getting to know him i was always visiting him so i appreciate that (laughs) um university was a fantastic experience for me because i had never lived not with my parents 
I was only 18 when I went to university and I had never lived in a different city, in a different environment, in a different place. Mm. I am from London, as you may well know, and moving to Manchester, another city, but a smaller city with people that say stuff like, hey, Chuck, and just talk <laughs> about brews and gravy. It's a bit of a different environment. Yeah, uh, the buses are not red there. They're blue and white. And they're called the 142 instead of the 261. Shout out to all my night's crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it offered me a fantastic opportunity to step outside of my comfort zone, to reinvent and recreate myself, as so many people would do when they go to university, um, to understand better who I was, what I enjoyed doing, what I didn't enjoy doing, to experience the full autonomy. I am entirely responsible for paying my own bills, mm. for cooking my own food, for washing my own clothes. Not that I wasn't doing that at home, my <laughs> mum cooked me well. <laughs> but to share that space with people that I had no idea. I moved into a flat with, or a house, with two people that were in their mid-twenties as an 18-year-old. I wanted to go out, I wanted to join the sports teams, I wanted to study, I wanted to have a good time. Mm. And I was in an environment where people were very mature. And this caused me to grow up very quickly. I had to be very accountable for everything that I was doing in the house because we share a space with people that want to create a lovely space for themselves. Whereas a lot of university students tend to go in and they go crazy. I went to some halls that were messes and I was like, oh, I know why I get to live in a home. I, I appreciate the space that I'm in. I'm going to make sure that I go and vacuum now. I'm going to make sure that I'm doing the chores and doing the things that your mom was like, oh, you should do this, you should do that. Yeah. She was 100% right. Um, going back to it. Stepping out of my comfort zone, it put me in a different space. I learned a lot. I was, I wouldn't say immature, but there was a lot of maturing that is done at university. You meet a lot of people from different backgrounds with different experiences, and it gives you a new perspective on the world. You get some people that want to go traveling. You get some people that are so focused on what they're doing. They are in the zone, and those people go on to do the doctorates. You, do some, you meet some people that you think, you're gonna do this course, but you'll never pick this up. You wouldn't, it'll never be the job that you, that you want to be in in the future. I was able to find myself and craft a new me in this experience. Uh, university was wonderful. And if, I, if you guys at home are thinking about it, do it. Don't do it just because you want to, but explore your options. Explore what course can make you happy. Explore which towns and cities. If you ever have the opportunity to visit, just do it. Mm. I spent, luckily enough, kind of about a month traveling to four different universities in four or five different cities. And it really opened my eyes to what's out there. Uh, go on your own adventure. Yeah. I like that you said that because I was actually going to ask you, what would you say is the biggest challenge when it comes to applying for uni and actually going into uni? And how, does it, how do you go around actually choosing the right uni for you? Mm. And I think you saying it there, taking time out to go adventure out into those actual cities, seeing those unis. And it's not a case of like being there for one or two days because it's not... A, you can't really make the judgment for the next four years, okay, by just for two days. Yeah. So this is a perfect time for, I guess, actual time of the year for people that are leaving colleges and thinking about going to uni to maybe spend four days in that city. If you want to go to a, a uni in Liverpool, for instance, go maybe get an Airbnb for two or three nights, go out on the, t- go out at, on the town, see what the nightlife's like, if that's what you want to do or see what kind of libraries or what kind of gyms or what's really rounded that you know you can enjoy for the, the three or four years. Because the uni might be great, but you might not be in love with the town. Mm. And 
I think what you just said there was beautiful and actually showing it. So, yeah, so, please remind me of the, the question that you... Uh, so no, the question I was, I was going to actually ask you was going to say, what are the biggest challenges you found when picking your uni? So this was now seven years ago, which blows my mind that <laughs> I was even looking at seven, seven years ago. So like you said, go and explore the city if possible. Um, universities also now do quite a lot of virtual tours, especially with COVID. Mm-hmm. So go and check them out. Go and check out the websites. Um, there are hundreds and hundreds of people that whose job it is is to sell you the university. Call them up. Ask about the experience. Ask them to send you information. Absorb as much as you can and think about whether it fits what you want to do. You might want to uh, go and visit the Peak District. So work, living in and around Yorkshire might be a fantastic idea. And there's plenty of universities to choose from. Um, the other big challenge is choosing your course. Some people switch between courses in their, their first year. Some, between, some people get to their third year and decide, I no longer want to do this. Yeah. All of those things are okay. But in an ideal world, you know exactly what you want to do. Mm. This obviously may or may not be realistic for you, but explore. Really, really explore and push yourself. If there is the most obscure thing at the most obscure university in the world that grabs you in a way that nothing else has, check it out. Understand what it could give you. Understand whether it maybe aligns with what you'd like to do in the future, even loosely, and shape your experience. Um, In terms of the actual university application procedure, I don't even know where to start. There are experts out there, and hopefully an expert at your school, who will be able to give you some advice and look at your application and your UCAS form um, to set you on the right path. Lovely. Absolutely lovely. Yeah. That's and for everyone that's watching, if you're planning to go on to a uni and actually find out what kind of uni you're going to, just take your time. Like you said, take your time, adventure out. It's a whole new stage in your life that you need to actually think about, not just rush into it because you, decisions you make now can actually affect you later on in life. It's not just about big old party, but enjoy. Mm. I have one more question for you before we move on to our first Juicy question of the day, okay, uh, which is... Questions of Jen. Which is, you spoke about transferable skills and potentially doing a degree that doesn't actually relate to what you might want to do in a career. I know that you're, you're somebody who did that. What would you say is the mindset? You know, what is, what is it about... You know you have a passion for this thing and that's why you're studying at university, right? And you've gone from, from learning a, a skill set and learning very specific information a lot of people say a lot of people come out of university and they're like oh i don't know if my degree really relates to what i want to do in life i would from outside looking in and this is from my my perspective i don't know if how your degree relates to then what you chose to do in in a career so so one did you have any anxiety going i know i want to do something different to what my degree is how did you overcome that if you did and what did you what skills did you need to transfer from what you studied to then what became your current uh, career path? That is a, a great question. And just for a bit of context, uh, I studied chemistry all the way up to master's level. And now I work in technology risk. Very different fields. Um, and talking about transferable skills. Mm. Uh, the first thing, and I learned this lesson when I was very young. My mum went to university when I was about three years old. The first lesson that I'm going to give is... When you go to university, you don't just learn the topic. You don't just learn chemistry and analytical chemistry and all the the subsections of it. When you go to university, 
you should be looking to learn how to learn. You have some of the most academic people in the world that are incredibly well read. The, the thing that makes them the best and then the, the skill that they should be able to transfer to you is how to study. The different ways in which you can study and the different ways in which you can improve your skill set via learning. So the first thing, learn how to learn. If you have a moment, there's a great course on Coursera, which is completely free, uh, which tells you different ways to learn, um, learn how to learn. I would advise for anyone, even if you think you're the greatest learner of all time, just spend 10 minutes flicking through it. You can watch it at two times speed and you will gain something from it. I can almost guarantee it. And if not, at me. At me, straight up at me, I'm ready for it. Um, the you next thing was you talked about uh, if I had any anxieties and how I basically kind of put my case forward as to, I don't work in technology risk, I don't work primarily in technology, but I can do this job. Yes. So it's about reframing. Mm -hmm. Chemistry requires a particular set of skills. Every, every degree requires a particular set of skills in which you can reframe your skill set to match the job. Yeah. So, for example, technology risk, it requires me to go in and analyze a space, a set of controls in which uh, an organization protects themselves. Mm. In chemistry, we go into a space and we look at these steps that you can take to, for example, create a chemical or to determine the composition of a chemical or identify it. Each of those processes require clear steps to have a, a positive outcome, to either discover or create. Mm. That's the analytical side. Uh, communication skills. As a chemist, you have to present your findings in a good way. Mm. I need to be able to speak to a professor and have them understand me, but I also need to have someone come in off the street and say, I don't know a thing about chemistry. Can you explain to me what this does, why it does it, and why I'm interested in it? Mm. Because ultimately, for me, and there might be a lot of skeptics around this, but chemistry exists to progress the world. Yeah. And technology risk also exists to progress the world by safeguarding data, safeguarding assets. How can we do that by presenting this information to people, making it easy and digestible for them to understand? So those two key things, analytical skills, presentation skills, time management. Mm -hmm. If you have five days to complete a project, I have five days to complete an experiment. How, what are the steps I need to take in order to get the job done? If I can do that in chemistry, I can do that anywhere. Not just technology risk. I can do that in business. In I can do that in this pod. Yes, I can do that in life. I like <laughs> that. Well, Thank you. <laughs> Believe in yourself. Believe in your source. Believe you can be like Jed and Fabian, the kings. Ooh. And king? do it. <laughs> be creative. And if you can't be creative, go and speak to someone. Say, this is what I can do. Can you help me transfer this? Can, we, can you help me get this job? Yeah. People around you will support you. Mm -hmm. If it's not your friends, it will be your university counsellor, your school counsellor. There will be someone that is willing to put the job, to put the effort in for you. Believe in yourself and believe in others. Mm -hmm. That's really, that's really good advice. Key, key nugget that he said there, people. I don't think anyone actually heard it, but he said, teach yourself. No, you said learn to learn. Like, I think people need to understand how deep he's talking about. Mm. Learn to learn. You learn how to drive, but you need to learn to drive. Like, there's a difference. You might know how to change gear one to four to five, but it's like, for instance, one of our friends not too long ago, he had a, um, a near miss in the car where he had to pull the handbrake because the brakes don't work. Mm. The brakes aren't working. Now, when you learn to drive, 
like when you go through the test, it says, how do you slow down the car without using your brake? Mm. You go down the gear. Mm. And obviously that creates the car to slow down. Mm. And it's that whole point in there. It's like, you can learn the basics of something, mm. but you need to teach yourself how to actually learn this to craft it. Mm. And I think that's beautiful what you said there. Yeah, thank you. Really yeah. powerful. Wait, Jay, man. Oh my I'm trying God. to hear this question, bro. Oh my God. What's yeah, this question, man. bro? Now, it's funny. This this question comes from uh, something that popped up earlier early this morning. Me and Ethan were just chilling. I think it was we were having lunch. And the question came up, would you rather fly or teleport, right? And that was, that, was, that, was, that was the question. But I wanted to advance that scope. I wanted to take it further than just that. Do you see what I'm saying? Does. On this podcast, we never take it 1%, 5%, 10%. We take it all the way to the top, to the top, to the top, to the top. So when I asked the questions, I tried to take it to the extreme. Okay. So instead of just, would you rather flight or teleportation? It is, of all the superpowers in the world that you've ever read about, seen, heard, understood, thought up in your own brain space, of all of them, which one would you like to have? Of all the superheroes, so, you know, you think of uh, Superman's ability to laser eyes. You think of Wonder Woman's ability to fly. I've named two DC heroes. I don't like that because I'm a Marvel guy, not a DC guy. I'm, I'm embarrassing myself right now. Um, Spider-Man hey, DC, shout out. Yeah, sponsor us. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, of all the superpowers in the world, which one would you like to have? I'm going to go straight and say teleport. I'm not going to lie. So, I remember I used to say fly. Mm. I never was um, like superpowers, like only super strength or mm. to live forever. Mm. But there's a film called Jumper, if anyone's seen oh, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that film created that, that narrative for me to say, no, I want to teleport. Mm. Because it's the whole point of like, he's in his hotel in New York City and that like, he's leaving and the concierge goes to him, I don't know if it's going to rain, sir. And he says, oh, yeah, yeah, well, i just take it just in case. Mm. But then he teleports to London. Yeah. It's raining in London. Mm. So he needed the umbrella. Mm. And it's that whole thing. Could you imagine, people, if you could teleport anywhere you want to go at any moment in time? Yeah. It's like we're all sitting in now. Mm-hmm. If we could teleport, I'm going to Sydney quick. Mm-hmm. Or teleport, I'm going to LA. Mm-hmm. Teleport, I'm going to Jersey. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's that whole thing. It's like, you know what? I fancy a croissant. I'm going straight to Paris. Yeah. I'm going to go to France. I want to go to South France, get the fresh one straight out of the yard. Mm. For me, it's not a superpower. For me, that's just like living to the fullest extreme that you could ever do mm. because you could be wherever you wanted to at any moment in time. I like that. So, yeah. I like that a lot. Teleportation, bro. Teleportation. Nice. Yeah. I'll go. You know what? I'll jump in. Yeah. I am going to like combine a couple of worlds. Ooh. I like the kind of Scarlet Witch energy, but I'm also a big fan of Harry Potter. Okay, we've got so a wizard in our midst. What okay. I'm going to say is that He's I can a wand. create mm. anything using my wand, mm. but that wand, I can conjure and disappear at goodwill. So Ooh. no one can take it away from me because I'm not trying to have the Elder Wand thing. I'm not trying yeah. to pass through. I can just flick my wrist, just look at the flick of the wrist, Woo. and it's there. Yeah. If my wrist disappears, I have a contingency plan. Mm. I just a little bit of elbow or in between my toes, I will... This wand will be stuck to me in some way. Yeah. Um, I want to be able to just flick the wrist and conjure up a new world. Mm. Create a new environment. It's, mm. It might be a bit over the top. Some of you are saying, oh, oh, you sound like Superman. Yeah. The worst superhero, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would, shots, you know. <laughs> I would love to just... Comment, comment. Super, uh, Superman, the worst, the worst superhero in the world. <laughs> That's a fact. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. That's a fact of life. Wow. Um, 
just like Fabian would like to appear a croissant or appear and grab a croissant, I'd like to flip my wrist and the cake is there. Yeah. I would like to flip my wrist and fireworks come at the Ooh. end of the wand. I would like to create a world in which I envision I envision this world could be. Mm. I would like to live the mm. most life and opulent sometimes. Ooh. But also then flick and there's a mountain. Yeah. Waterfalls. Yeah. Serenity. Okay. Peacefulness. He said he, he wants the one with Jesus. Ooh, Ooh. you're the conjurer. You're the yeah. conjurer. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Um, for me, and this always goes back to what Stan Lee said, because Stan Lee was the visionary. Stan Lee was, is one of the godfathers, mm-hmm. the originators of the original superhero. Stan Lee and a man called, uh, oh, I can't remember his name now. I want to say Frank Kirby, and I think that's it. Um, all, my, all my comic uh, aficionados, if I got it wrong, please, please forgive me. I know it's Kirby. So um, he, uh, they invented Spider-Man. Black Panther, all these characters now who are yeah. synonymous with superheroes and with capes. And when asked Stanley what would his superpower be, he said, I would like the superpower of good luck. And I'm backing that one as well. I would like the superpower of good luck. So let's say I'm running late for a, for a plane. Yeah. And I'm like, damn, damn, I hope I don't miss it. Well, I'm lucky enough that it, st- it, it had to stay for another five minutes. Or when I get to the gate, Oh, and because I'm the last person there, they're about to close the doors, they've got a first-class seat left. Oh, I get bumped up for no reason whatsoever, other yeah. than because I'm lucky. When I, I'm not sure how much money I've got left in my account, but I need something just to, uh, just to buy some food or whatever. Oh, lucky enough, I've got an extra five pounds in my account to buy whatever I need. It's always just having that extra bit of luck that gets me whatever else I need, anything else. Oh, uh, I need to uh, make a play on the football field. Hey, my luck's in. I just made an interception. So... I would love to have good luck in every situation I'm ever in. So, you know, I just make these things happen. See, that's an interesting one in comparison to myself and Fabian. Myself yeah. and Fabian's are very out there. Mm. It's very visible. If Fabian teleports from one place to another and he appears somewhere, mm. someone's going to notice it. Mm. If I'm conjuring up things left, right and centre, mm. the whole world's going to notice it. The yeah. military might come and grab us. <laughs> Whereas, that one is very inconspicuous. Mm. He's just... Oh, he's just that lucky guy. Mm. It's just almost passing. You might not even know that he's a superhero. Mm, yeah. Unless he tells you. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Shout out, to, uh, <laughs> shout out to Stan Lee for that one, for inspiring me. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest ins- inspirations in my life. So uh, we've had our first question. Now, Fabian. Oh, is it my turn? I think it's your time. <laughs> <laughs> tell us so the greatest. You know what it is? I always start coughing every time we... I don't cough no other time during the day. Mm. We go to shoot and I start coughing. It's, it's it must be something in this room. <coughs> I mean, and you know what's worse? You know what's worse? Every single time he coughs, yeah? And every single time he forgets to get himself a drink. He forgets to pour himself a bottle of water. <laughs> but yeah, we go with me, people. So I think my one was, it's more of a moment like, mm. for me. Like it's a, It was a moment of recognising like, you know, you go through times where you think, wow, I've made it. Yeah. I never thought I'd get this far. Yeah. And for me, it was when I was working in um, the ticket agency. Mm. So I was working there for, I did about six years there. And the first three years, I did a lot of just face-to-face customer service, selling a lot of theatre tickets in the, in, one, in most of the shops that yeah. the company owned. Into my third year, I more progressed into event management. Mm-hmm. So I used to um, basically run all the VIP guests and all for all the events at the O2 Arena. Mm. Now... As I started to grow my clientele up, I started to work with a lot more football teams. Mm. Now, we all know I was born and bred Arsenal. 
colors. Mum was born and bred Arsenal, so I fell in love with Arsenal. Mm-hmm. And at one point in time, I can't remember what show it was, but it must have been something like Drake or Kanye. It was something like one of like could have been Pusha T, something something crazy like that. Travis Scott probably. Mm. Um, I can't remember exactly what the event was, but I do think it was Drake at the time. And what happened was I was told through not even I can't remember all I was told that I need to get a box from one of the players. Mm. Now I'm not gonna disclose what play it was, but it was from that plays in Austin doesn't play there anymore. And I was like, okay. But I'm business mind, so like it's not I really support this team mm. and um I'm like, yeah, cool, whatever it is, what it is and then I remember I went home, got changed, got in the car, driving to the O two and I get a call saying, Where are you? And he said I said, I'm on my way, okay. He's there with the rest of the guys. Can you make sure you go meet him? Mm. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, no problem. Bit of traffic, but I'm almost about to park up the car. Not only did I not know who it was at first, yeah. but that person called me. Mm, what? Yeah, so this person's called me now. So you know what I'm like? Because he told me this is who it's for. Mm. Yeah, so I said, okay, cool. I then gone and answered. Then gone and said, okay, yeah, cool, let's begin. So I've answered the phone. And he goes, yeah, mate, I'm here to meet you. like, are you here? And I said, I'm literally walking in the building now. Give me two minutes, I'll see you. Mm-hmm. And it was that moment in life for me when I said, this is what it feels like to be cool. <laughs> because I've walked to the VIP desk, right? I've seen a couple of people take pictures. Now, I thought it was just the one guy. But I walk up to the, the desk. Yeah. And I'm seeing six guys that play for Arsenal no. that I know. One's taking pictures there, one's with his missus, yeah. the other guys are just chatting away, and now I'm just like, oh, then the one that knows who I am, I said, oh, your brother, I said, how you doing? I said, yeah, listen, I got you guys tonight, whatever you need, just let me know. Yeah. And he goes, all right, we're just waiting for, um, then this is when he goes, we're just waiting for Wilshire. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I'm like, okay. I'm like, all right, let me get the tickets printed out. And then we'll head on up. Mm. And it was a moment where there's loads of people around. So now people know they're there and like, oh my God, oh my God. Mm. And like kids are still trying to take pictures. And it's the point when I go, like, I never forget what I did because I kept it so cool. Mm. I got the tickets. I said, yo, boys, let's roll. Hey! <laughs> so I got let's roll. And they've all got up and they're all coming. So everyone's like, who the hell is that? Mm. But like, you know, for me, I'm like, it's Arsenal, like, yeah, I'm in. Like, I'm dying for a picture of all of them. And I'm like, but it's so funny. Like, I ended up working with them for the next, like, two years. Like, getting them all kinds of tickets, getting them seen, let them see so much. And I never once asked any of them for a picture. Yeah. And I brought so many of my friends mm. and always they asked for a picture. Yeah. And I think, like, you know what? Because for me, mm. I always see them as my client. I don't see it has the fame and has everything. But for me, that moment there was from thinking, I left school into this job, not knowing where I'll be. Yeah. And next thing I knew, the team that I support so much, yeah. I got to meet like six of them. Yeah. To the point where they all knew my name. They mm. knew if they needed anything, they came and got me. And it got to the point where I remember they wanted to go to another show and they said, listen, we need you. Mm. Because at the end of the day, I built that relationship with the O2 Arena where they knew who I was. Yeah. So any kind of problems or if as long as I'm there, they, they didn't really care what was happening. Yeah, yeah. So what happened was is that they said, look, we've got a box, a different place, but we've got two tickets. Can you just come there and make sure everything's run 
smoothly because we don't know how things run there. You know how it's a problem. Mm. And that was just another great night. So, yeah, like, for me, that was a very big, like, achievement. Not even an achievement. I think something I really took well and I, I cherished that moment because it wasn't a case of, it was like, yeah, like, I know the Arsenal. It was just a fact of, like, I got to take care yeah. of a team that I cherish so much. Mm-hmm. And I think not everyone, obviously, you don't get really that many opportunities to do things like that. And it was just great to actually meet people away from the scenes. Mm. Like, I think the media portrays so many people to do so much or to look like such a way. When when you step back and actually see people, like, in their comfort zone and know they can be comfortable around you, mm. it was... I just took that in a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, that's what it was, bro. Yeah. That's... See, the thing that stands out for me in that story is is composure. Is your composure in that, like, before anything, your purpose and your goal was in mind. Yeah. Before anything else, it could have been anybody who's who you were given to taking care of to take care of, yeah. and the person doesn't matter. Don't get me wrong; they they matter to you inside. Yeah, yeah. What matters more than that is your purpose. What is my purpose, and why am I being asked to handle such an important thing? And that's so powerful because you know who you are, and you know what your skill set is, and you say, you know what, I can utilize this to get the best for everyone yeah. and be trusted so what i was going to ask you is what led you to have that level of composure that no matter who was to walk in and no matter who you were to be introduced to that you would stay calm collected and provide incredible service so that's it i remember it was jay cole the event mm. that they actually booked mm. yeah so amazing event so I just, you know what it was like you it kicks back to when you spoke about before well, sorry, when I, when I did a TNT yeah. this week and I was talking about being um, composed first impressions and obviously I was hyped to see these guys, right? I was hyped that it's all going to happen. And I remember driving there and getting told, listen, you're meeting, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I remember them calling me mm. and I was like, what? What? <laughs> Man, who would be my phone? Like, could you imagine that? Like, I'm like, I remember, I remember, I remember I was so hyped to come across after the... That's got my best number, you know. That's in my phone book, kidding. Yeah, he's like, ah, cool. So I remember hanging up, and I remember it wasn't a case of like you know about composure, but for me it was showtime. Yeah, because I'm like, this is the first time these guys are gonna meet me. If I show myself today, they might only stay with me. Mm. They like, they might see like, no, this guy's on job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where could you imagine, for instance, right? Being an Arsenal fan, but you're there to do them a job. Mm. And the first thing I do is, oh, can I get a picture with you? Mm. But hold on, I need to get you upstairs. Yeah, I yeah. need to get you to, like, you're here to enjoy the event. Yeah. Like, I'm here to basically give you that service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think for me, that's what was going through my head. Mm. And working so long in the O2, you walk past people, whatever. I remember going down the, um, where the bo- all the VIP boxes are, yeah. walking right past Stormzy. <laughs> like, I think this was just after he um, dropped... Um, what was his last album he did? Uh, I remember Gang's Hands and Prayer. I do not. That one. Okay, cool. He just dropped that, right? And I said, I remember I said, more done than number one, because I think he just hit number one in the charts. Mm. And he's like, I appreciate you, bro. <laughs> I was like, mad. Yeah. And just box Stormzy. <laughs> like, points to where, like, there was times where I was in a box and then I had Captain Connor in the box next to me. Mm. And I remember I, go, I went to speak to him. I said, listen... If you ever need help down there, I'm always here. I know I know everyone here very well. Yeah. And they was like, yeah, we're cool. DJ got this for us this time. Like, okay. And I think that what it was is that it was a composure where I was there to enjoy myself, but I knew it was a business. Mm. 
So the whole composure side for me was the work side. Mm. It's for instance, like, you know, when we work with the NFL teams, it's a whole nother light, but we still have to have that kind of composure. 100%. Like, you can't just go out there being the number one fan. No. And everything. So, like, like I said, I brought my friend for the first time around them, mm. and he was like to me, oh, can you ask me if I can have a picture? Mm. I said, bro, just chill out for a minute, please. Like, yeah. you're here with me. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. here to work. And he's like, yeah, I know, but I might never see him again. I might never meet him. Like, you've got me around these people. Mm. And it was something like that when I realised, you know what, he's right. Mm. Because for me, I was just working and being around them. So, like, I knew I could see them maybe every other week or whatever mm. when there's a big event on. I know they're trying to get that event. Mm. And for him, he's never going to see these guys not on a football field. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Not, you're not going to see them walking down the street. You don't really see that. But right now, you're seeing them in their own element, relaxed. Mm. So, of course, he wants a picture. So, obviously, I asked one of them, I said, yeah, look, one of the guys on the picture, and it's cool. And um, we got it done. But, yeah, it's that whole composure. Now, you know what? I'm going to say, I'm going to say, this is another crazy story to go along with this. And I think it was one of the most funniest moments ever. And I said that. I said to my cousin, thank you so much. <laughs> like, thank you so much. Because, again, I had two of the Arsenal guys went to come down. I think we went to see... Justin Bieber or something mm. and um, I had a date Ooh. Right? yeah I think I had a, had a date at the time yeah right and I brought my cousin along now my cousin was just coming for the sake of it because yeah. like, it was for me it was one of my top 10 dates we're talking about that after the pod yeah <laughs> yeah so very very good night for me yeah yeah but I remember my cousin was there and my date brought a friend with her okay yeah. Mm. Now, my cousin wasn't interested. I'm not saying he was interested, but mm. you know, you be friendly, you just talk or whatever. Yeah. And I can't remember what happened. Like, they was mucking about, and I think he must have thrown like a bit of ice at her, right? Yeah. This friend from my date mm. decided to pour a whole mojito over my cousin. What? That's ridiculous. That's right. In the <laughs> VIP box, mm. in front of the two footballers. Mm. And I know my cousin's a hothead, right? Yeah. So I've seen it. I grabbed him. I said, please, please, please. <laughs> please, 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 please. The guys are there, right? And they've seen it. So to the point where they've seen it and walked away. Oh, no. Because they don't want to be involved because yeah. they know something could go off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, just get me a cup of ice cold water now. <laughs> I said, my cousin, that's just right. Forget, forget, forget. Just forget, forget, forget. And I said, thank you so much because he calmed down, but he was mad, but... She knew that he was her man, but she left. Yeah, yeah. And left the date there, my date there. And I was wow. Like, yeah, insane. Proper insane, that. But that's the whole thing you say about composure. He realised where I was, where we was. Yeah. He realised who's around us. And it's that whole thing, like, you've got to keep it a certain way when it's definitely business. Mm. Like, you can't... It's, like, lose your call in a surrounding where it's not okay to, like, really do anything around it. Like, you can't do that. I'm not saying you should have done anything. Just saying that yeah. it was that and it goes back to saying that how I kept my composure I think it's just the whole me as business time mm. is business time mm. no matter who the client is it's like for instance like we just launched the box crew yeah. if I got a message now saying listen Drake needs a box mm. I'd be gas behind closed doors yeah, yeah, yeah. but when I see him I'm not going to say look I need a pic or I'm going to post up on Instagram mm. I'm going to keep it harsh this is business now mm-hmm. once it gets released it gets released and people say is that what you're on now mm. I'm like well it's just business yeah I don't know him yet like that. Mm. And that's, I think that's just the way I think about it. And that's how it was. Mm. I'm wondering room as well. You did this job when you were like 17, right? You so, were very young. Yeah, so 
I would have been probably about 2021 20, when yeah. I met them. So, your path was not to go to university. You went out and worked and explored the world. Yeah. And I think that is an incredibly viable option that few people really explore. So, could you give the people just a few tips of how you found your success? How you came to find this job? Any, any bits of advice that you give to people that don't okay. want to go down the university path? So... To be fair, like, I went from this job and trying to be a chef at the same time, but for me... Sorry, and trying to be a chef at the same time, you know. That's hard work right here. Yeah, yeah. Is there a, I'm not saying that I've got a chef scholarship to Westminster King's I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> yeah, so for me, what it was, my mum was working in the theatre industry for 10 plus years, and um, her boss at the time was like a father figure to me anyway. Yeah, okay. So I used to see him a lot. And... I remember me and my friend, we was walking around looking for jobs and he said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'll hand our CVs out. He said, well, you want a job? I said, well, yeah, I finished, I finished school in a couple of months. He said, all right, when you finish, bring your grades and we talk. Mm-hmm. I remember the same day I finished school, I went to see him. Yeah. He said, all right, cool, you start Monday. Oh. So you imagine, just six, like, I'm 16, right? Just finishing school and he said, yeah, you got a job. And I remember, I think I was, I was only like, not a lot, but at the time, 16, it was a lot. I'm, I'm lying. I'm, I think I was earning them, those times I was earning like £50 a day. So I started, and I remember, like, I say it was a lot of money now, but back then, it's a lot of money. Yeah. I was on 250 a week. Yeah. And 16, yeah. and then that. Yeah. I'm like, what? And then I think for the first six months, I was just earning that, and then I found out about commission. Mm-hmm. Now I found out about commission with the money, is because by commission, you can earn double mm. almost sometimes triple your wage mm. and I'm hearing everyone's words okay and I remember I said to him can I go on commission he said no you're not ready for that yet mm. and understandable like at the time you're 16 you just want to make money want to make money yeah, want to make yeah, money yeah. right so doing all of that then I remember September I started to go to college but then college was an apprenticeship so I was supposed to find a placement in somewhere to be a chef and go there one, uh, one week out of three but all I was doing I was going to one week of college and then I'm going back to work. Mm. I'm like, I already work. Like, I'm trying to make money right now. Mm. And then I ended up dropping out, staying there working. And from there, that's when the whole thing happened with mum. Yeah. Ended up losing mum, having to then be a man, think about bills, think about the housing. So I had to grow up pretty early. And I think that's what it, you said, like, again, with the composure of what, where it came from. Because mm. it got to the point in life where I've been through kind of trauma where I'm not a kid anymore. Like, let me... It's that whole thing of like, I, don't get me wrong, it's, I think the, the kids get excited when they don't know how to control their emotions in certain situations. Mm. And I think for me, where I kind of got through the adulthood a bit earlier, I kind of controlled it. Mm. And it's that process you're asking me there, I think like how I came along it. It's like, to be fair, I had a few hands out where people helped me, but I still had to grow myself and actually make myself into that kind of person because my boss still had to trust me with the O2. Mm. It's not a case of I could just do it. It wasn't a job where you just had to go in and do it because it's the fact of where I had to know where the seats were. I had to think how to make money. I had to know what kind of prices to, to adjust things up. I think I, even at one point when we changed the systems over, I became the tech guy. Okay. So all the card readers, anytime a card reader went down, I think for the next two years, it was me they called because our, our shop manager imagine was away the week of transit the transit transition to the new system so 
because I was there on the day, I was running around sort of like everyone's systems. Wow. No, so like we had I think fourteen shops. Day in day out, I was on call. Hmm. And like, how old were you at this point? At that point, you get twenty twos. 22, so you found a way to show your value beyond them because you were yeah. fixing everyone's problems yeah. Yeah. and when you're a guy fixing everyone's problems everyone wants to know who you are yeah, yeah so when it, so in those times you had the card reader you had the ticket machine and then you had your actual pc now imagine all three of those systems run on a different system mm. to conjoin one system mm. now the card reader could go down, say, for instance, where it couldn't connect to the system on the PC. So now you have to restart the card reader. You have to juggle some codes and get that all sorted out. Those are the kind of things where people struggled with. The ticket machine. Every ticket machine had its own code for each shop. Yeah. So sometimes it will trip out and it will reset itself and now it has no code. Everyone needs to know the code for that shop. And then the system, that's just a whole other ball game. Like, shout out to everyone that was in the office because... You imagine theatres have, say, 300 to 600 seats. Mm. Now, each seat has individually been put on the system. Mm. Now, obviously, every agency has their own allocation, so you don't get those 300 seats. So you would know we might have, say, this standard 60 seats for that show every day for the next two years. Mm. So we know we have to load those seats. So it's kind of insane. But, yeah, it was... When I think about how much I, I did back then, I'm not really... I don't I really don't really see how much it was mm. until like now. And I think that's because like I said, when mum passed, I was on that go. Yeah. Just go. Yeah. I kept so busy. Like I said, I used to do 10, 12 hour shifts a day, no problem, no feel, no rest. Mm. And my greatest saying that my cousin laughs at me all the time for is saying, I'll catch up on sleep next week. <laughs> I said I'd be like, be hey, like, people, please don't live by that motto. <laughs> we want you all to get good around the seat yeah. and stay healthy in the brain. Like I used to say like it'd be it'd be Monday, I'd be like I've got a day off on Saturday. I catch up on sleep on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I just go through. And just go through the week. Like, literally. Yeah. Loving it. So, yeah. It, it was... For me, it was a lot. And I think for anyone out there, it's that whole thing and say, just take the chance. Yeah. If someone offered... Like, in your 20s, in your teens, it's so important to try and find your purpose. Yeah. Like, do not worry about failing or if you're not going to do well at something because... You have time to change. Yeah. And me being in construction, I realised that, is that I've seen plumbers that turn plumbers at 40. Yeah. And they're making loads of money. Yeah. So it, you're like, you're, it just depends on where you really want to go in life. It's like you said about uni. Going to uni is fantastic if that's what you want to do. Mm. If you want to go and study media for the next four years, if you want to go study zoology for the next six years that I had a friend that do, I didn't understand that. But... Yeah. He wants to be a vet. He wants to know about animals. And then when that now, how my mind thinks, I'm like, okay, that makes sense though. Because yeah. I don't know the first thing on how to, say, fix like an ACL of a dog, like, like Nikki. Mm. Like, yeah. like, like, I don't know the first thing how to do it. Because in an animal, it's completely different to a human. Mm. So all these things, like, just go and try it. Like, I never thought I'd be good at selling theatre tickets. I never thought I'd be good at event management. Yeah, I never thought I could run those things. I never thought I could handle, say, two hundred k a year, like, and get to those kind of budgets. Yeah, yeah. I never knew about spreadsheets and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And seeing all those things, that's not even something I learned in school, like, or too much. You know, you learn the basics. Yeah, like I never went to college to study any of these things. I literally learned it on the run, and I think like it's crazy. And for me, 
I think that's why when like my little cousin said to me he wants to work in JD I said that's great but that's so standard don't look for the standard thing mm. I said you want to be in graphics go and take less money and go try to get a traineeship or go into somewhere you want to be mm. don't think for something for now because a lot of you what you think is what I noticed a lot of young people do they try to get oh, I want to work in Fort Lauderdale I want to work in JD I want to do this I like resell this decor or do something small term like short term mm. I said that's great for this year or whatever but what are you going to do in the four years time and it goes back to what I said many times before in the podcast think five years ahead mm. like experience enjoy but always think five years ahead think what am I going to do now okay yeah I'm going to have some fun and explore what's going to happen and I say like I said if you want to go to uni and you know it takes three years but then you've got to have your plan what am I going to do after that yeah because it's that whole thing you're going to find a job in that thing you want to do it doesn't always work out that way so have different opportunities yeah interesting so is it time for the second question I think it's time for the second question Woo! question time apologies for everybody I said this we said this almost not every episode but apologies for anybody listening in the headphones because I know that I took I took it up some decibels there and then we jumped on it and that might have been a bit loud for the, for the ears yeah we was kind of smoothing and it went question time zoop zoop uh, yes, it is time for the second question. And as avid listeners, viewers of this show know, the second question is always Fabian's five minutes of food. We hungry. Yes, so this question here. Now, I already know my answer for this one, and I know you two know my answer for this one. So mm. I'm just very, very interested to hear what both of you have to say. Hit me with it. What is the one food or the one food item that you love? But a lot of other people hate. What is the one thing that you guys really, really enjoy, but you know other people just do not connect with it? I just want to stop here. Yours is Marmite, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say Marmite. And so, yeah, that. yeah. Yeah. So I'll start with mine just so that, uh, just so that I can I'll give you guys I just to make sure I knew my bro. See, like, see how I knew that people? See how I knew that? Yeah, for real. If, if any of you were, list- were listening about two months ago, we spoke about toasties and how for me, my favourite toastie was... The mousetrap, which was a melted cheese with Marmite toasty. Marmite for me is beautiful. Like, I know that both of you hate it. I know that you guys don't enjoy the the texture, the density, the flavours. Whereas I really... So, really, so did you say Marmite has flavour? Of course it does. Of course it has flavours. That's why people don't like it, because they don't like the flavour. The only time I'd eat Marmite if I had Covid, because I wouldn't taste it. Wow! Oh, the disrespect... This is the worst thing is Marmite is really good for you. Marmite is fantastic. It's a healthy, healthy item that you can put on toast, you yeah. can put on a toasty, you yeah. can put on other stuff. Don't put it on Weetabix though. I did at one point, based on a dare from Mr. Ethan Keynes, I tried uh, Weetabix with Marmite on it and it was one of the grossest things I've ever had in my life. It was like, Marmite is gross. Nah, man, it was a crunchy texture with this thick liquid that just didn't did not mess whatsoever i'm just saying it works with peanut butter though that's confirmed yeah it does yeah, yeah peanut butter is perfect but the thing is the reason why i like peanut butter with weetabix is because when i get uh when you put the weetabix in in lots of milk uh well we have oat milk in, in this house uh the the weetabix softens up really nicely so they 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 come slightly similar textures and i quite like the, the difference in flavor but i think i have stalled enough for the crew to Give me their answers. So who's gonna go first? What is the one item of food? What's the one item of food that you, oh, you like? Know? I'm gonna need some. I'm gonna need a little bit more time. I'm really thinking about <laughs> this one. I, 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 so racking my brain. <laughs> it's crazy because, like you said, it's famous for having this food. Yeah. Now you're asking me to come up with something mm. 
that most people don't like. Yeah. And for me, when you're kind of when you're kind of vast, kind of like me, then I don't think there's many things that people don't like. Do you like olives? I do. See, cannot. I cannot right, get you know myself what? involved you know with olives. Okay, <laughs> I'm actually going to do that one. So you brought it out so I'm actually going to because I know there's a lot of people that don't like olives. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So I never used to like olives. Mm. But then I found how nutritious they are for me. And I don't know how you can't like olives, but you like, well, my dad is insane. That's just what? ridiculous. But we're going to go past that and go back to me and olives. Uh, yeah. yeah. So olives, amazing. Mm. With the pip, without the pip, yeah. the fresher, the better. Like, literally. Mm. I absolutely... Do you enjoy good olives? Like, I think I don't go to Nando's and not get olives. Like, for me, really? I enjoy now having the olives, the pita bread, and the hummus mm. more than anything. Mm. And even olives in a salad. Oh, killing me. Mm. Crazy. Mm. What? No. Um, I used to go to Ask Italia. Ooh. Italian or Italian? I'm sure it's Italian. I think it's Ask Italian. Italian. Ask, Ask Italian. Yeah. Ask Italian, yeah. Now, they used to do the fresh olives with the pips in it with a bit of olive, olive oil on the top. Okay. And great. You know, I think for me, because I enjoy fresh food a lot, mm. especially like fresh fruit, fresh veg, just fresh food completely in total. And I feel when you get most olives, they always taste pretty fresh. Mm. I think sometimes like the only ones I've not really had that fresh food in the jar, they're not that great. Mm. And um, it depends obviously what they've been doused in as well. You get them in a very vinaigrette and they're not too great and that doesn't give you the true olive. Yeah. But... Olives, man. Yeah, what? Yeah, olives. Yeah. Have you... You've been to Greece, right? Yes. Did you have olives when you were out there? Because I know olives are a big, big, big thing in Greece. Is uh, Did you try them out there? So, at that moment, moment in time, I didn't like olives. Okay, so guys, Ooh. watch out. When we go to Greece, we got a whole table accountable to have some of the freshest olives he's ever had in his life. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, that'd yeah, be yeah, wonderful. I think, yeah. I think I will. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I will but I think we've stalled enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I've got my answer now. Fantastic. Answer. <laughs> it was almost inspired by your olives one and inspired by your saltiness. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to Hold on, hold on, hold on. Did he just call me saltiness? He just, he just pointed at me and said saltiness. Saltiness of the mind. Oh, there we man, go. Man. <laughs> Just attacking. Bro. Everyone at home knew exactly what I meant. <laughs> now moving on with your saltiness, <laughs> I'm going to be talking about anchovies. Oh, see, I was thinking of that. I was thinking of that. <laughs> oh, you like them like that? From the beginning of time, uh... anchovies have existed as a wonderful treat. Mm. I would eat anchovies out of a jar. Mm. I would eat anchovies on pizza. If you don't, have, if you've never tried anchovies on pizza, you've got to have it. You've got to have it. Nah. There is a dish that <laughs> my mom uh, showed me, in which you chop up, you dice up some garlic really finely, lots and lots of extra virgin olive oil, Ooh. and chopped up anchovies. And the saltiness combined with the garlic, combined with the spaghetti and parmesan and chili flakes that you put on there, just takes it to another level. The the Mouthfeel is amazing, mm. complemented so that, much by the saltiness that. of the anchovies, mm. and it's only that particular umami Ooh. that the anchovies bring uh, takes it to the next level. So mm. anchovies for me, one hundred percent, yeah, on everything. I have it on toast, not on wheat mix. <laughs> 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 Are you saying you have anchovies on my toast? You have it on anything. You know what? That would be a very salty uh, toast for sure. Next episode, <laughs> I'm going to do that with a whole bottle of water. I, guys, I, guys, I remember that. that. We're doing it. Next episode, Ethan is going to sit here and eat anchovies on Marmite on toast. Yeah. We're going to hold him accountable and you guys are going to that. I'm not going to podcast for that for weeks. <laughs> <laughs> he said, let me take a break. What's funny is I'm going on holiday with my dad next week. <laughs> and everyone forgot about that. <laughs> but, I'm a man of my word, the week 
after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, cool. Yeah. Watch out for that. Hold us accountable because we've got to hold Ethan accountable. That was fantastic. And also shout out to your mum for making an incredible uh, meal. I appreciate it. a lot of shout outs to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that one quite a lot. And and I think I think at some point we should all do a, a flavour swap. No. I think we should all no. do a flavour swap. I think. Okay, I'll do anchovies. I'm cool with that. I, I think. Do my man. <laughs> you take the anchovies. You take the marmite. I like all of this stuff. You like marmite? I've had the snake. The, the, snake the, the snake first bite. of all, snake bite is a great name for something, but it's the mousetrap. Yeah. Sorry, I've had the mousetrap, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I enjoyed that. Yeah. I've also had olives, and like you, I used to not like olives, yeah. until I started working at Donde, Ooh. and then they had these like this massive tin of olives that mm. were freshly imported, and I was like, oh, I can rock with these, yeah. mm. I can get these going. Mm. So good luck to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we're definitely going to do it, but we're going to move on to the final segment, and where I'm going to talk to you guys mm. about... One of the things that has brought me the most joy and levels of fulfillment in life. And I'm very, very happy. I've constructed it this way so that I could take the elements of the two things that you guys have provided to me and I'm going to combine them into one. So Fabian spoke about how composed and how well held together and how his purpose and reason for, for working so hard trumped anything else. Trumped the fact that some stars and heroes and icons walked into your room and you said, this is my job, this is my space. And I'm gonna combine that with Ethan talking about making a decision to still follow his dreams regardless of something that potentially happened before and also to utilize everything you learn, the experiences and the skills that you learned to push yourself further in life, right? I'm gonna combine those two and talk about my first national championship. Yes, sir. Now, for people who don't know, I won my first national championship with the man sitting directly to my right, and I won my second national championship with the man sitting over there. So I'm very fortunate to have shared these experiences with these two beautiful human beings that I have on my on this sofa today. So it's funny, me and Fabian didn't play football together for the first two years that I was playing American football, but I always looked up to Fabian, I always looked up and I was like, that's where I'm going. I'm going to join that man and we're going to win a championship. And we did. Yeah. Come on. I, I think I actually remember because you were doing, doing the youth five side. For I was on the youth, yeah, because yeah, yeah. you, you played with some of the other guys and like Ben was at quarterback yeah, yeah. and stuff. And, and I was always looking up and I was like, nah, I need to be quarterback of that team. Um, but beforehand, I was playing youth. And very, very fortunately enough, I got the experience to play five-a-side American football with Ethan. And we were an unstoppable duo, that's for sure. But I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a, a whistle stop tour of that season. What a season! Oh, what a season! The season started with no coaches. We did not have any coaches whatsoever, and I was like, "This isn't good enough." I'm gonna put the team on my back though, because I was one of the only few remaining warriors from the youth team from the year before. The year before, we came third. We came. Yeah, to my memory, we came third in the national championship. And for all of us, that was a letdown because we should have won. But we didn't have the, the maturity, the composure that uh, the team of the, from the year before had. Fabian was on that team. And let's go, boy. And so we didn't have a coach to start. And I said, you know what? I'm one of the returners. I'm a captain. I'm a leader of this team. I'm going to run the training sessions and we're going to make this thing happen. And we started off with a, with, a, with a small turnout. But because I was trying to fill those sessions with joy and energy people started coming back and we started getting new people. And then just before the season started, we got these two new coaches. But not only were they coaches, they were leaders. They were players from the senior team. So this was 
the people we looked up to, the people who were at the pinnacle of what this game is in the UK, they had came into the space and they said, we're going to teach you. And so we were in safe hands. We were in the hands of people we trusted. And the people we'd seen on Sundays put people in the ground. We'd seen that they had dominated. So we were like, we trust them with our game. And as the, as the season started, I was playing two positions because I was trying to put a lot onto my, onto my, my back. And that ended up with me having an injury and having to sit back. And within that space, I think I carried a load that helped the early pressure of not having a player who played at safety where I was doubling up at and holding that defense down while also holding the offense down at quarterback. But then there was a moment where I was injured and the whole team, instead of reeling back from losing a leader, said, no, we are made for this. We're made to grow. And I remember the, day, the game I got injured, Ethan stepped in and Ethan said, I got you, Jed! And I was on the sideline and I almost cried. <laughs> and I was so happy because, because yeah. that, I feel, that was the moment that our brotherly bond was really formed because I was there almost in tears that I wasn't able to back my team. And there's somebody who I'm, I'm new to meeting who's a, who's a new person who's wonderful, but who's also saying, don't worry, we got this, we're in this together. And it was a beautiful, powerful experience, right? So one, that was the first thing. I felt like I had built with the coach and with everyone else, a team culture, a family culture, right? This was more than just we play football. This was, no, we got each other's backs. So that was the first moment, right? And then we started to get good. We started to get really good. Our offensive and defensive coordinators were working us hard and they were making sure that we understood the fundamentals at depth. And we started to get really good. We started to put 50, 60 points on teams. And these were like 20 minute games. These were not long games, but we were running up the score. And so that was good. So not only one, did we have this team and family bond, this winning culture. Two, we were competent. We were good. So that's where this level of enjoyment comes because you're in a state of flow where you've done things, you've done reps and reps and reps and reps. And this is something we talk about on the podcast and on, on our Instagram is do the reps, put in the work. And that's what we had done. And we were starting to see us come together because we did the reps. And so we had that. And then we get to the final. Now, this was where all of it culminated together. On the, in youth tournaments, the final is a three-game tournament where you start at the quarters, you win the quarters, you go through to the semis, you win the semis, you go through to the finals. And this all happens in one day. Now, this is where it gets crazy. We started off the quarterfinals, and I know Ethan will correct me because his memory is, I think, better of this day than mine. Um, and so if I get something wrong or forget something, you'll jump out. So I appreciate it. So in the quarterfinals, we face, faced the Highland Wildcats. Now, this was a team that we lost to the year before at the semifinals. So I had a, I had a grudge. I was, mm, no, not this time. <laughs> but, but we actually were down. We actually were down at the half, right? We were down bad. Yeah, we were down bad. I think we were down at least two, three scores. Not at the half. But after the first quarter, yes, we yeah, were yeah. down two scores. Yeah. And our first three plays, Jed made perfect plays. Ooh. He got it into my hands. I dropped the ball. Our other receiver dropped the ball. Yeah. We got five yards. We were struggling to start. Yeah. There were a bit of nerves. Back to you, sir. Yeah. Yeah. And there really was. And I think at that point, I gave, I gave everyone a little bit of a talk. And the coaches were like, now you deserve to be here. There was definitely a bit of shell shock going into that final. Because like I said, this was a fairly new team. This was a lot of people's first seasons. And so to be in such a big stage at the quarterfinals of the national championship can be daunting. But one thing that our offense coordinator always did was we finished our huddles with a one, two, three win. And we finished it. And he, he, gave, this, he gave this speech about winning and that being the only focus. And then he said, one, two, three, 
win. And we all came in and we all locked in. And from that point, we ran through that team. They didn't want it. They did not want it. Literally, by, by, the, by the third quarter, or by just after the half, we were up two scores and it was like, yeah, we're running away with this. They're, not, they're not doing nothing to us. And so we started to get that self-belief. We started to be like, oh yeah, we deserve to be here. We deserve to go. And we beat them, right? Then after that, we got interviewed by a couple of dons. There's a touchdown, if you guys can find it, of uh, Ethan scoring a touchdown. I think I passed you the ball, so I was about to have that one. <laughs> so that was a nice moment. So we got, you know, the man them on TV as well. So the second game. Now, this was intense. This was a big one. Yes, because this is London Warriors, South London, versus London Blitz, North London. We don't wear blue. And, and the game was tense. It was back and forth all the way through. There was a lot of... Pardon? As it, always, As it is. always is, right? And they were like, the London Blitz junior team, youth team at that time hadn't been super successful, but they, that team was good. That team was really good. And they were like, now this is our year. This Warriors team isn't 100%. This is our year. We know some of their best players are not playing right now. Shout out to guys like Elijah and Naeem, who, Naeem, who couldn't play in the final, mm. which is heartbreaking because if we had them, we would have dominated even more, right? But uh, they knew. They knew that we weren't working at 100%. And so... We were down by, I think about three points, maybe four points on the final drive. We had a minute, not even that, we had like 30 seconds to go. And basically, the offensive coordinator looked at me and he was like, Jed, I need something from you. And I was like, I got you, coach. I got you, coach. And it was the last play of the game. Last play of the game. And we had the whole field to go. And we used to do this thing, me and the backup quarterback before, uh, before each game, where we would show off our arm strength. Because I can't lie, back, back in youth days, I had the strongest arm in the country. I would just sling that ball from End zone to end zone, and it was bounce. And he was like, I need you to do that in this moment. I need you to launch this ball. I was like, I got you, coach. Say it, I drop back. One, two, three. I'm holding the ball. I'm holding the ball. The protection is gone now. The center is gone. They're running upfield because that's what we do. I can run around. So you know what? I'm like, cool, let me throw it now. I throw it up to who, to the person, to the wide receiver, who was the safest wide receiver for most of the season, who was someone who I, I, I would trust him most of the time with the, with the ball, right? But they also were the smallest receiver on our team. Yeah. And also were dropping everything that day. I now look back at a question. Why did I make that throw? Why did I throw it to them when they hadn't shown me anything that day that really had earned that trust? But I always believe in my team no matter what. I will always back my guys first. And the ball almost kind of hits him in the hands. But actually it pops up in the air. And I was like, oh no. Their safety, the guy who's the last line of defense for them picks up, intercepts the ball, catches the ball, and really, that should be it. That should be game. That should have been the game. But what they don't know, what the London Blitz did not realise in that moment, in that game, they probably know it quite a lot now, to be fair, is that the London Warriors finish every single play. Our centre, the guy who had been protecting me, had run all the way downfield, all the way downfield, and went straight through, ran through the, the safety who had the ball, Blew him up, hit him harder than I've ever seen any hit yeah. at that level of football. I heard it before I saw it. It was yeah. ridiculous. And what happened was, he got hit so hard that the ball popped out of his hands before he hit the, he hit the floor, so the ball was still alive. And our running back, who had also been running up the field to, to catch the ball if it was there, saw this ball on the floor, picked it up and ran it into the end zone. London Warriors through to the final. And so, we'd, not only had now, through the season... We had built up this competence, this, this, this well-oiled team. We'd built up this winning culture because we had fought through things. Yeah. Now, we had faced adversity and we had overcome it. I will jump in here very quickly. Please there, was a, there was a moment that sticks out to me in my brain so much. Mm. Our coach, 
at the end of the game, but we struggled through that second round. Mm. We maybe didn't play quite up to our standards. He said, uh, do you guys think that you deserve to win? Now, put your hand up if you do. Mm. And I put my hand up straight away. Mm. And he said, okay, why do you think deserve, you deserve to win? As, as Jed so brilliantly highlighted, I said, we didn't stop playing until the final whistle went. We gave everything and never we deserved to win. Because even though we were struggling, even though we were down, even though the opponents were talking and talking and talking, mm-hmm. we kept fighting. Yep. And that's what got us through. And at that point, I believed within myself, mm. we're going to win. Yes, we have to win today because we came to work the hardest yep. and we put the most work in the season. Yeah. Back to you, my friend. Yeah, exactly that, exactly that. And then the semi-finals was over. We had won it. And then the rain and the lightning started to come down. And anybody who knows American football knows that because we wear metal helmets, if the lightning starts to show, you cannot go out. And so the rule is the refs need to make sure that there is a 30 minute gap between lightning. So if you have lightning strike, you then cannot play for at least 30 minutes to make sure that it is gone because it is a hazard to be playing while lightning is in the, is in the area. And so what happened, the final had been postponed and postponed and postponed. And we, we'd put, it had been postponed about an hour, an hour and a half. Yeah. And what had happened was the other team that we were facing, they'd gone inside. They had decided to get warm, to get comfortable, to make sure that maybe they didn't get injured, risk any injury or anything like that. And to make sure that they weren't wasting their energy and giving them a chance to re-energize. Whereas our coaches said, no, you stay outside. You stay mentally ready. You do not turn off just because everything else around you is turning off. You stay in the zone. Now, we'd already, I think, had a few minutes of gameplay, right? We'd had a little bit of gameplay, in, and, so, and then we had to get stopped. So there was already that, that mix of energy to playing to not playing, but we stayed in the zone. We stayed outside in the cold, in the rain. Everybody else asking questions. When it, when's, it, when's the game going to come? When's the game going to come? I don't care. In my mind, I don't care when the game's going to come. I just know the second it does, we're moving at 100%. Yeah, that's it. And I remember we, the refs were like, yeah, we're good to go. The other team were inside. They were eating food. Fish and chips. And at that point, I saw the brilliance in our coaches because they had turned off. Yeah. They were almost kind of hoping that game gets delayed until tomorrow or yeah, yeah, they, don't, yeah. they don't have the game. They can end it a draw or whatever. We were like, no, we're here to win and to play football. No matter what happens, by the end of the day, we're lifting that trophy. And we got the, we got the news that we needed to go out. And my head coach came, our head coach came over to us and he was like, Jed, it's time and I remember, I remember bringing everyone in just before, just before we went back out there. We'd had a warm-up and the energy, oh, it was good. I can feel it now rising in me, right? I, I called the team around and like I, like I did before every game, before every big moment, I, I, I rallied the troops. I brought everybody in to lock in. And if I'm honest, it was maybe my greatest speech. I can't even remember it now, but I can remember the energy I felt. I can remember the heart that went into it. And I said, if this is the one moment that you give everything you've got, then let's do it. And we went out there and we gave every single thing we had. Now, just before we get to the fourth quarter, we're two touchdowns down. We're crawling back into this thing. And our coaches make the decision to bring on a player who had hardly played for that season, who was new, who was really, really small and young. It stopped. Oh, man. I think it only just stopped, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good, we're good. We good? Yep. No, you won't flag it, just go. And so, you sure? Just, in, just so that we can um, adjust the audio. And so what had happened was, in that moment, we had brought in, our coaches had brought in a player who had hardly played before, who was quite young and new to the team, but they were incredibly light. Now, it had been raining, 
so hard. So the ground was really wet and sticky and tough. And so you people were getting stuck in the ground. Well, this player, Jordan, was light because they were young and short and they could move. And so bringing Jordan on changed the game because they were, they were floating on this, on this turf where everybody else was getting stuck in it and they were dancing around everyone. And slowly we score a touchdown. We score another touchdown. We're stopping the defense. We're, our defense is stopping their offense. And it comes to the last drive and we, we, run a, we run a toss play and Jordan gets right out there, bounces around one of their players, bounces around the safety, runs into the end zone. Touchdown, Warriors win. And our head coach, who's one of the biggest guys I've ever met in my life, who played for NFL Europe, you know, this is, this is a, a, a larger-than-life character, jumps in the air, but because it's super wet and slippery, falls right back down. Jubilation. We had done it. Not only had we built a team-winning culture, not only had we stayed composed in all of these tough, tough moments, not only had we learned all of these things through this year, we were fulfilled. We had reached the summit, the result of all of our hard work. And it was unstoppable. We were unstoppable for that season. We had overcome every single challenge. And so for me, that was a true level of joy and fulfillment and just something that is irreplaceable. That feeling is unlike anything in the world to really reach a goal that you had spent time, sweat, hustle, working for with people. And so, yeah, that was, uh, that was my moment. That was Amazing. a thing that brought me Amazing. endless amounts of joy. And I think what I want to say on that point as well for like, the people is that playing a team sport or being involved in an extra curriculum activity, for yeah. instance, it helps you find yourself. Mm. Because you need to know how you, your mind, your body works with other people. Mm. In a team sport, it's one of the ways where everyone's good at something. You find your, what you're good at. It's not even just a sport. It could be gaming online, for instance. When you have a Call of Duty party, mm. not everyone is good at capturing the flag, for mm. instance. Not everyone's good at headquarters. So everyone, you find a balance to see what everyone's good at. Mm. And I think doing that in a team sport or in any sport, really, is that you find yourself, how you adapt to people, mm. and how you can play a part of a team. Mm. And I think there you showed your leadership through the team mm. and how you rallied your troops, how you kept the team together when mm. you was out of injury how the team managed to still continue to move forward even without you there on the side because you know this is what we do mm. and I think it shows you as a character mm. to see what your impression from even a young age leads on people mm. so it's brilliant bro yeah brilliant. yeah and so um, no I feel I feel and this goes back to what Ethan was talking about with transferable skills I've learned so much just through that season and also just through my whole time playing football playing American football I've learned so many skills that I take, like doing those speeches is why now I public speak because I had the confidence from 16 to shout at a group of people to get them going. Now, maybe not so much shout, uh, still quite a bit Encourage. Loudly. Exactly. Encourage as loudly as possible. Encourage with energy. Yeah. And so those skills are transferable skills combined with that composure. I feel for me culminated in that moment and now really define who I am as a person because of that pinnacle moment. I think I also want to highlight in this. I don't have a question because I think you captured it very perfectly. Mm. But there's transferable skills, but also what you did in that team and what you highlighted really well, you transferred energy. Mm. For a period of time in the season, you were ill mm. and you were injured. Mm. You were going through a lot that year. <laughs> yeah. And we had spent a lot of time training in the park mm. and training. And I'd seen you do all of that. And mm. other people had seen you do all of that. So when training was 
when training was deadless, mm. which is not something I wish on anyone, <laughs> um, that energy remained. Mm. I said, okay, I'm not the quarterback. I can't throw like Jed. I don't have an arm like Jed. Mm. But because of I've experienced Jed, I've experienced Jed's energy. I know what needs to come right now. I know what everyone needs to do. Everyone needs that, that lift. Mm. Because you transferred that energy to me, everyone mm. else was like, even might not be as loud as Jed. Me as able as to encourage a group of people, but we're with him because he's trying. Mm. And I'm going to try it as well. Mm. And Jed wouldn't have it any other way. So we got maxed out on this training. We got maxed out until Jed comes back. Mm. And when Jed comes back, we want to show how much we've improved because of him. Mm. And that is down to your brilliance energy. And that's something that I got from you as well. Yeah. The transfer of joy, the transfer yeah. of positive energy. Every time I see you on Friday, I know that. I've got to bring it up here. Yeah. <laughs> I can't give you any less than that because you deserve the best. Yeah. And that is something that both of you do amazingly and something that both of you found through the Warriors. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate those words. Yeah, for real. I think it's... I think it's time for the final question of the day. Final question before we wrap it up. You know, yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, please like and subscribe. Thank oh. you very much. And we thank you for listening also. Oh, God damn. Now, I have a question. And I've read it. And I'm actually going to advance it once more. Because like I said, we don't start at 1%, 5%, 10%. We take it to 100 We take it all the way to the top. So the original song here... The original question here was, name a song that no matter where you are, brings you joy. Well, I'm going to say that further. I'm going to say, if it's not a song, I'm going to say, name a piece of media or content in any form. So it could be song, it could be podcast, it could be TV show, it could be movie, it could be book, it could be anything further than that, right? Name a medium or content that wherever you are, if it comes on, if you play it, if you view it, hear it, see it, anything, brings you joy, brings you to a positive place, brings you into a space where you feel like you can do anything and raises your game to the top. Yeah, this is going to be a tough one. This is going to be a tough one. I've thrown this on. You know what? I'm going to just drop one. There's, there's so many that come to mind, yeah. but I'm going to drop one that is so central to my being, or what feels like it's so central to my being, I've got to share it with everyone. Mm. Um, when I was really, really young, I listened to music, I absorbed music, as you do as a kid, you're kind of aware of it, yeah. but you don't have an interest in it. Mm. And then on Top of the Pops one day, shout out to you if you remember Top of the Pops, it used yeah. to be on TV, they used to do the top 40 songs, and the top 10 would have the music videos. Yeah. And this one must have been 2003, I was probably about six or seven years old, 2002 maybe, and this song, Clint Eastwood, by Gorillaz came on, featuring Della Soul, Del the Funky Homo Sapien, one of my favorite rappers of all time, just incredible. And this was an animated rap video with monsters coming out of the ground and this big kind of spirit. Mm. And the energy that this song embodies was nothing like I'd ever seen before. I said, I, I need to, I need to know this. I need to listen to this. I asked my parents, I was like, I need to, I, would, I love the single, like, I love the album, and I just listened to it over and over and over again. And I found my love of music. Yeah. So, you've heard the song, the man talks about being in a bag. Mm. It's quite a, it can be quite a dark and depressing song, yeah. but because of my association with that, and of, with my love of music, yeah. and if you know me, I love my music. As in the podcast previously, we spoke about how much I love music. I now associate that with wow, this is what it is to enjoy and listen to music. And this was the starting point, the place that I identify with most for my love of music. So whenever I hear that, in whatever setting, mm. it brings me immense joy and immense emotion. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. 
if I'm feeling sad, I listen to it. If I'm feeling happy, I listen to it. There's never a bad time to listen to Clint Eastwood. And it also put me on to Clint Eastwood, the actor. Yeah. Who's incredibly cool and had a lot of Western movies that were just like, oh, cool cowboys shooting. Mm. So that's mine. What about you? Um, for me, I think, do you know, when I went away, when I went, to, when I went inside, yeah. um, I listened to a lot of Mick Mill Moore. Mm. And I think I connected to him a lot more and seeing his actual journey, what he went through when I came back out. And for me, he's got quite a few songs I connect to a lot. But I know any time I'm trying to raise that energy, any time mm. I'm trying to remember what my journey is, what I'm on, and what where I've come from, I like to listen to probably Shine. Ooh. Because yeah, because for me, like he talks about, the, like the house, the house is so big, you ain't got no roof in it. You're yeah. gonna see me shine. Yeah. And he's like he's talk, talking about the chandelier, talking about he bought his mom this and he bought his mom that, and I think it's just like it's that whole thing. He's gonna shine no matter what. Mm. And I think that's what I take from it is that it showed it inside me. It tells me no matter what happens, yeah. Like for me, it's like my mom's gone. I've been to jail. I've been broke. Mm. No matter what happens, I'm gonna shine. I said you can't take my shine away because for no matter what happens to me, I'm gonna shine no matter what. And for me, that's what I always get from that song. Nice. So yeah, for me, that's one. That's one of my top. I like that. What I would also like to, to say right now is if you have a song, if you have something that brings you endless joy, please comment. Wherever you're watching this or listening to, please comment. We want to know what brings you joy? What brings you into a blessed and happy place? Because that would bring us joy too. Now for me, it's something that I was reminded of last week Saturday. The thing that brings me, something that brings me joy whenever I, I think of it or listen to something to do with it is Eurovision. Eurovision for me is just, it is the combination of crazy cultures. I'm not even crazy cultures because that's, that's, that's diminishing of those cultures, of diverse cultures from all over Europe and even from Australia, right? It brings all those cultures together in a way where I think you can only do in Eurovision. You had last, last week's Eurovision, the one for 2021, had this Ukrainian techno folk song it almost felt like there was ukrainian folk singing combined with a techno beat yeah. like rave vibe you had very generic but still quite upbeat and fun english pop you had italian rock which actually sounded more like franz ferdinand but you had all of these combinations of cultures and sounds all come together in a bright celebration of what it means to be connected and Eurovision is the result of trying to connect a whole set of nations. Yeah. And I think there's nothing more beautiful than trying to connect. And there's something really powerful. I say it whenever the Olympics comes on, whenever Champions League, Eurovision, anything that brings a multitude of people together, there's something really beautiful about multinational and global connection. Where, for example, watching the 2008 100-meter sprint, I know there is over a hundred million people watching this single moment that's going to last for 10 seconds but we're all in it together no matter where you are in the world there could be somebody 24 hour time zone difference to me is watching that and that's really really powerful so combining this connectedness this connectivity con combining that with culture and talent and then Graham Norton being incredible as well being an incredible presenter so yeah I would say for me it's Euro vision yeah and i think that's the podcast i think we did it guys
Yes, sir. What I want to say is thank you so much for listening. Like Fabian said at the top of the podcast, please like, share, comment, review. We want, we want some reviews up in here. I think we only got we only got six or seven right now at point of recording. Let's turn that into 75. Yeah. If we get to 100 yeah. reviews, I might dash somebody a t-shirt or something. What? Dash a t-shirt? You're going to have to get there first. What? Might give away a box? No, you didn't say oh. that. Oh. I, but serious people, yeah, we want to see the comments. Don't comment what you want to hear as well. Like, I'm trying to see what you guys want to hear more of mm-hmm. and so we can actually get more things talking about and see what you lot want to hear. But yeah, I think, Jed, that's time to wrap it up. I think, is there any final thoughts for any of you from either of you guys? Stay shining. Have a fantastic week. Go on an adventure. Yep. Go somewhere this weekend. Yes. Final words from Fabian. Shine, shine. And final words from me is keep moving forward. Guys, have a fantastic time wherever you are. We are.